Improved PS4 loading times. And some people got PS5s. Not us. Hello there, and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, who just noted that apparently the camera lens looks darker than usual. So I don't know what he meant by that. No, like look into the camera. Oh, like it looks like you're staring into the void? Yeah. Yeah. Looks like you can't even see like the lens. Yeah. Who knows? But what episode are we on, Saul? 184. Lucky 184. No, 185. 185. Yeah. Lucky 185. Ooh. We have a special announcement coming in the coming weeks, so I just want to throw that out there. We've already mentioned to people on Discord. I mean, I won't say too much more, but uh, I guess the best thing, that, or the, the most that I'll say is we asked and got the answer that from the people who normally communicate with us, and we got the overwhelming, actually I don't think anybody said no, so we got the overwhelming uh, approval of bringing advertisements into the, or, you know, ad reads into the episodes. Now, I promise they'll always be tasteful. There'll always be something where it's something we agree with. I don't want to be, you know, be up here promoting stuff that's not quality. Yeah, I always so. get that, like, whenever there's, um, like, a guy with a beard promoting Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, that like, one's always uh, weird to me, too. Well, now they do all kinds of different items, but way back when, when it was yeah. just the Beard Club thing. Yeah, or the razor yeah like, club, literally just the Razor Club. I'm just like, yeah. really? Like, is it really that good of a product? Because you didn't shave. This one, though, funnily enough, this is in line with us, humor-wise. This is in line with us, product-wise, and it's something you, you, uh, unless you, we have an OnlyFans, you will never be able to prove. <laughs> so stay tuned Trying for that. Trying to swear OnlyFans coming in. We had somebody reach out to us about it, and apparently this is a really big brand, which I've not ever heard. Like, Oh, I have. Plenty of times. See, I, I've... I've almost bought it myself, so it helps. See, I, and, and actually looking at the website, whenever we're talking about, I'm like, you know what? I could probably buy this. But yeah, it's just one of those things of like, I don't have a lot of things where advertisers are prevalent in my media. Yeah, like I pay for true. YouTube, so I don't get YouTube ads. Um, I don't watch Hulu or anything like that with ads. So like, it's really weird. It's really uncommon for me to hear an ad read. Yeah. Um, I'd but, say that we've prided ourselves on, I think, you know, doing these, doing this for three years with no need for ads. And I'd even say now we don't have a need for it, but if it can bring in, we have been talking a little bit behind the scenes and more specifically me and Chris about growing the content that we do in a different way. And part of what will help with that is if we have a little bit more income to work with. So we'll see how this goes. And um, of course, it'll always be something that I, I know the one thing I love, and then we'll get off the ad topic, but I like it when. When the companies give you enough lateral movement to kind of just do the read in your own way, still yeah. do the basic talking points that give people the idea of what the product does and how it can help them. But with the freedom of you being able to get to it, how you see fit. Yeah. And that's a real important thing for me because it makes it feel more organic. Um, and it just, it makes it fun. It doesn't make it feel like suddenly everything's coming to a halt just to be like, by the way, I have to do this. But anyway, that's true. Saul, we're going to start this show off the right way, as we always have and always will. Have you actually played anything this week? Near Automata. I saw that. I was playing. I started playing it last night. Uh, or not last night, but yesterday, rather. See, I didn't know if it was um, a Friday thing or if you just started Saturday, because I know you sent the picture in the group yesterday. Yeah, it's just yesterday. Um, I got fairly far. Like, I'm at, without spoiling it, because you need to go play this game if you haven't already, but um, there's a part in where... You fight a big thing out in water. Okay. And yeah. that's, I just got past that. I mean, you're not bad. Well, okay, hold on. There's two big things in water, though. The first one. Okay. 
Where not S and you get separated. Yeah. Well, technically, yeah. Well, because, hold on. Well, no, the first one in water is like the first 20 minutes of the game. So I'm obviously not there. Yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah so you got pretty one. far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I've played this week. Uh, with the game, our game of the generation episode coming towards us faster and faster. It's like, well, let me take games that I have for contending thoughts and I'm going to play them to be more up on them and be more frequent. I had them more frequently on my mind and more fresh. Interesting that that's kind of what led me to start something today. What is that? Um, so uh, before I get to that, I'll go ahead and say I've been, I played Brutal Legend uh, because it joined Game Pass, which is interesting. It kind of makes sense because EA Game Pass is on, is part of game or EA Access, whatever the hell it's called. EA Play maybe now. Anyway, it's part of Xbox Game Pass. And then also, of course, Xbox own the company or the development studio Double Fine that made the game. Uh, but EA, of course, owns the rights to it. So it's cool. I love that game. It's a very funny, over-the-top game. My wife didn't even know it existed. It is a very niche game, but I love it. Um, anyway, I played that. Uh, I've played some of the update just because it's actually the most fun I've had on it, and I really wish it was a permanent thing, though I know it won't be. I played um, Modern Warfare, Warzone, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, um, with the Halloween update going on. Yeah. And they have a mode that's zombies where essentially you go and it's a normal game, but when you die, you become a zombie and you redeploy. And if you kill two humans and get their antidote things, then you can redeploy as your human self and you have all of your loadout and everything. That's really cool, actually. the basic mode of the game, and you have special powers as a zombie. You can do like a lunge, you can can do an EMP blast. It's really fun. We should play it today. I'm actually going (laughs) to download. I'm going to go and go download it now because I actually deleted it. It reminded me, and of course it's not exact, but it reminded me of zombies from Halo. That's a and that's a fun time right yeah. there. So and that's kind of where I've been having a fun time with it. And it's it, I don't know. It's something that it feels like it's a little easier to go and it's all on you. But essentially, the last team that has a human surviving on it is the winner. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. So you lead down that way. So I played that, and then what I have finally got started into uh, because it's it's just been on my mind all week for some reason. You know, I replayed uh, Arkham City a while back. And I've and I've played both Arkham City and Arkham Asylum twice. Right. I've only ever played Arkham Knight once. Me too. And as much as I love certain aspects of Arkham Knight, other ones weigh heavy in my mind more because of what could have been, it feels like, you know. But I was kind of thinking, I was like, you know, I often think about the game and there's so many great things that it does in my head. Are they actually that great? And I'm letting the bad things, you know, overweigh the experience or... If I go back to them, will I, re- will I view them in a different light where it's like my memory has kind of held them up higher? So today I downloaded Arkham Knight since it was a PS Plus game a few months back um, and started it back up. And so far, I do love the game. There's, it's, a, it's still so damn pretty. And you don't realize it. it's a game that never got a pro update. Mm-hmm. It's a game that still runs in the exactly how it did when it launched. And it runs fantastically. And it looks beautiful still. Um, I, I really mean it. In some ways, I think it rivals really late gen games like Spider Man. And you know, I mean, it, it's it's a game that definitely still looks like it could have been a year or two old, despite the fact that it's five years old. Yeah, that game. I played that. Now game, looks aren't everything, but you know. Yeah, I played that game right as it came out because of a buddy when I worked at CVS. He got it, and he let me borrow it when he beat it, and I was really sick. Like, 
I had like a, a like either the really 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 bad cold or I had the flu. Okay, yeah. And I played it, and I don't really remember a whole lot of it except for the story beats of it. See, and it's weird. I think it's like I said, the fact that you were able to guess certain things weighs down certain aspects, but other aspects are so nice, like, and they're handled so well. Um, small things, and I'll talk about it more because that's, that's kind of what it was. Is like, you know, is there does that game have any? merit in the game of the generation discussion discussion like whether or not it's actually going to win it does it have any merit to even be discussed as a runner up night yeah no and see and that's what in my head i was like does it and i don't want to not do it in service so i'm i decided to go back and play it and there's things that i really liked that they decided to do and they're moved to next gen and then someone some of them i did not uh, love as much like the idea this is one weird thing do you remember arkham city one of the great things about it was the way that they went about having side content come up like side quest i guess you'd say i'll always view the idea of how arkham city handled it reminded me a lot of how like the witcher 3 did it where it's like all the side content almost has just as no, uh, just as much character development and growth and whatnot and i guess you could even say skyrim to an extent of uh, you have side content that feels equally as important as the main storyline, but I like the way that you went about doing it. It was like, hey, you, you, you find a clue. You find something that puts you on a trail, and you just can follow that trail until you keep going, and that's how you do it, and you'll finish that storyline, and it complements the main storyline. But the way that Arkham Knight decided to do it was to introduce the idea of a mission select wheel, and side content is broken up based off of certain barriers, and it does a lot like what we talk about with Spider-Man, where which I still think Spider-Man's biggest problem is side content was abysmal. But uh side content in Arkham Knight is still really good, but they they lock it behind where you have to go and play more of the game before you can do the next step instead of letting you just naturally flow through it. Like you know when you're playing Arkham City and you hear the phone ring and you pick it up and Victor's ass is like, "Hey, come find me." You can just keep doing that until yeah. you find him and you follow that storyline through. You can go find Hush and look at these people who are getting certain parts of their bodies taken off and be like, "What the hell's going on?" until you finally see it and then bam, it's amazing. You you end up finding it out and you can do all of that pretty much at any given point in the story and I really dislike the way that they tried to go about changing it up to where you have to wait and be sectioned off. Some of that happens with having a bigger map and wanting to have a map that's harder as you go, so they lock off certain sections of the map. That's annoying. The driving <laughs> the driving sections were annoying even though a lot of people think that that's like 50% of the game and it's no, not. No, it's like 20. It's very very little. Say, I wouldn't even say 20 to be honest. I would say like 15. It's like it's like eighteen or twenty. I mean, it, I mean, fifteen is still a closer thing than fifty. Yeah, when people say it's half of the game, like I remember Angry Joe would always be like, "It's it's fifty forty to fifty percent of the game." Like, what game were you playing? <laughs> but, I, I don't like how they handled the ending of that game at all. Oh, the the secret ending, the the can the real ending of the game, the canon ending of the game, the one that you there's have no to... light on our camera. That's why it looks so dark. Where'd oh. the red light go? I don't know, but we're clearly getting picked up. I don't know. Just in case y'all don't get uh, <laughs> or video of this episode, y'all know why now. Anyway, yeah, there's there's things. I didn't love that aspect to either. And it's something that came across. I don't know what it was about this gen. Where it was like, hey, do you want to know the real ending of the game? You've got a 100% the game. Like That was the problem with Shadow of War. And and that's why people yeah, especially like launch. Shadow of War's problem was you had to work through this end game conquest thing where you had to go through and conquest or capture and conquer like eight different strongholds before you could see the true ending. And it's like who would want to do that? Like just give me the ending. 
See, <laughs> I, I am not typically a fan. Or who would want to do that just to get the ending? If it's like a small nugget towards something where it's like, hey, it's a hint. Like, that's what Kingdom Hearts used to do, right? You could see the trailer that everyone thought was Kingdom Hearts 3 when it was really just Birth by Sleep. Mm-hmm. You could see that trailer if you went 100% of the game on normal difficulty. I think you'd get like 98 or 99% on Proud. And you could see that. And it wasn't the true ending of the game. It was a, hey, here's what's coming next. And it's very vague and just kind of excites you. Yeah. But either way. Yeah, so I'm playing that right now. And I am having a good time with it. Um in some ways, they really polished the experience to the absolute extreme. And then there's some things that I didn't catch the first time that were pretty cool. Like, without going into too much uh, spoiler, because this is really be early in the game, there's a part where you go to a uh, warehouse or whatever, a safe house in Chinatown, and you see um, Poison Ivy in there. And on the screen behind you have crane or scarecrow talking to you. And he says uh, something along the lines of like, view this room, remember the pain or, you know, the horror, the fear that's going to come. And it's really short and you don't think about it. But then as I'm a little bit further in the game, uh, I remembered that there's a scene that comes later in the game, like pretty significantly later where something happens in there and it's at that exact same place. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's like nice little foreshadowing. I like stuff like that. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, here, look. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know why you did that on camera because everybody saw you do that. It's not going to, I mean, but in relation to who? I guess that's true. Yeah, see? Bang, bang. And also, <laughs> <laughs> also, you forget that the majority of people don't watch us. So we're good. That's we're true. clear. But um, I'm about to rant real quick. We're going to have our monthly Saul's going to rant about the PSN store. Are you of the mindset? I haven't viewed it yet. Are you the one of the mindset that it's worse now? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So l- let me show you this. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through my purchases to go download Warzone because we just talked about it, right? So there's context to this episode. I'm not just doing something randomly. So I'm going to type in Warzone on the PSN store to go find it. Okay. Bada bing, bada boom. It's right here. Purchased. Let's click on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to click on it, and it's going to load. Now, this this website is, I don't know if it's internet or what. It's going s- somewhat slowly. We're going to go down here because I have both of these. down Purchased the, the base game of Modern Warfare and Warzone. Let's go download from library. Bada bing, bada boom. Takes me back to my library. I still got to go find it in my library, which I have 209 games. Do you really think I haven't already scrolled through this to go find it? No, because no. I would go search for it to take a shortcut of having to scroll through all these games to go find it. Yep, that's that's dumb. Oh, and with this all new update, you can't you can't use it on iOS. You go to on Safari, you go to PSN Store. It just says this browser is not currently supported. There's like three major browsers, Sony. But what about the app? I don't know. Actually, that's a good point. Also, Chrome is more popular on iPhone than uh, Safari. Last time I checked, interestingly enough, I actually don't doubt that. I have Chrome. Um, yeah. On my phone, I just haven't signed into Google on it or yeah. whatever. I just thought that was interesting because you would think that they built in one. Like part of the reason Chrome is so popular is because it's the included well, Chrome, web browser. Chrome is my go-to browser of choice, no matter what I'm doing, because of the extensions you can have on it. Yeah, and that's also part of why it's so damn memory hungry. But yeah, that's true. Either way, yeah, that's that's interesting enough. And I, I saw that right when we were recording, but I've not dealt with the store literally at all yet. So it's one of those things where. These changes are going to keep happening, but as they're happening beforehand, you only can hope that they're ironed out to where the experience makes sense across all three devices once PS5 launches. Yeah. But at the same time, 
PS5 is, is in certain people's hands right now. Why would you not want everything to go ahead and work accurately? Which is probably why this push happened. Not for people to get used to it before it happens, but so the influencers who are currently messing with them can understand the store and see it and have a consistent experience. Now I know why I don't use the PSN app. Because I, like everybody, only trust PayPal as my main form of currency on a console, right? Yeah. I don't have my debit card or even my credit card on there. I have PayPal, which goes through to my credit card. Yeah. You cannot use PayPal on the app. I have. It, you can't. It will force you to go to the PSN web store. If I want to go buy Oh, I get what you mean. It pushes you out of the app into the... Yeah. Which then my browser doesn't support. Yeah. Gotcha. So actually, though, I'm about to download something that I have for free. So I have two friend requests. You know, while Cypher we're talking, Primus, my boy. Yeah. You know, what we're talking about um, the app, you know, what was weird is that the PSN app started at the beginning of this generation as a all in one thing. And then they slowly started pulling parts out of it. Like they wanted messages to be a completely different thing. Communities to be a different app. And as they've gone through and they wanted the second screen thing, I think to be a separate app. And now as they're going through this, they're talking about re updating the PSN app, moving into PS five to where everything gets brought into one. Like when I went to the messages app the other day to also, um, respond to cypher primus, one of our, I won't say a new listener, but a listener who's recently joined into kind of discussing within the community. Um, it hit me with the, I think it's end of October. I think it's like the end of this month. You won't be able to use it anymore. Yeah. I'm clearly signed in. Sure. Going to the store. You got to sign in again? Clearly is not signed in. Why? Why? What do you mean clearly not signed in? Oh, in the top right corner. Yeah. That's weird. iPhone sucks, bro. I'm kidding. This is no, this is, this is the monthly. I said I'm Saul, kidding. Saul, Saul's going to be angry on, uh, Interestingly enough, did you know that the majority, like over 50% of our listens come from I, uh, our Apple devices? Cool. Well, there's a bunch of housewives, as uh, Richard says. His iPhones <laughs> are housewife phones. Okay. Well, anyway, I guess now we can go ahead and move into the community's take, which I have failed to pull up. So give me just a second. I have it right here. And last week we asked you guys, do you care about the UI much? Is the experience outside of moving between games important to you or is it just the games themselves? So this is a very easy to answer, collective, almost answered question of do you care for the UIs? And, and if so, what is important about them? And our good buddy on Discord and a Patreon friend, Dog says, it makes a huge difference for things like setting up party chats, messages, and sending invites. It has to be seamless, easy to use, lightning fast, and not completely remove you from whatever game you're playing or activity you're doing, all of which the current UI doesn't do. I agree, even though they, they really messed up the messages system with the party chat thing they did. Yeah. I really hate that. Um, yeah. You guys didn't get to hear me rant on that because we forgot to talk about it like two episodes back, but I'm I'm still not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't dealt with parties much lately because the only time I've been talking with anybody is when I'm playing with um I'm playing Warzone with Mario from work, and we're normally playing with a third who is on Xbox. And because of the way that voice chat naturally happens, the only way we can hear him is if we do the in-game chat. Yeah. So we just forego the party completely, even though the party is far more stable. Um, I realize, I, 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 yeah, I really don't like using in-game chat because then you can't be as personal as you want to be because there's who knows who's listening. Well, that's true too, but I just think that you have the basic. It's supposed to only be people within your party, more or less. At that point, just use Discord. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Mario or Blake have a but different Blake, but still, um, yeah, mm. 
carrying on though i'm gonna go grab one off of facebook since saul can't get those uh speaking of blake blake popes is our first person to answer over there he says it's pretty important but not a deal breaker for me xbox one had horrible ui and super slow as well and i still enjoyed the console overall uh also not a fan of the ps4 ui but still enjoy that console console overall too and that kind of gets to the thing of what I mean. I've I'm, I'm noticed as we're going to read a little bit more of these that the answer kind of consistently becomes that most people like a good UI, but it ultimately is not a huge deal until it actively stops you from being able to do what you're wanting to do. Which is kind of what I said last time, in that even people who don't care about UI, they'll start to care the moment that the UI is so bad that it inhibits their experience. Well, that actually goes. <clears throat> That, that actually goes into what Josh says on Discord. He says, a good UI is like a good music score. If it's good, you won't notice it. If it's bad, you'll notice it immediately, which is 100% iffy. <laughs> I, I, I agree and disagree with this on the sense of a good UI for people who don't give a crap about the UI. A good UI is one that they don't notice so that they don't even have to think about it. If they don't care about UI. I'm going to notice the same a good time, music score. Though. I think a good, yeah, that's also a thing too. Um, it's, it's that you notice when it's not there more than anything. If it's bad, you notice it. Or if you notice that it, there's suddenly lacking, then you pick up on it. But even then, I think both like music and thing, certain people, Ooh, excuse me. Certain people are going to, um, notice it more and appreciate it more even you know, even when it is good, because the whole point is that certain people who really just have an affinity for music are going to listen and go, oh, that's amazing. And certain people who really like a clean, sleek UI experience that gives you everything you want to just do your basic and then gives you more, you're going to notice it and you're going to appreciate it. Which actually kind of goes down to one that I, I'm trying to remember exactly where I saw it. I know that I've recently seen it. Um, Rude Days 93, one, one of our patrons, he also uh, kind of mirrors what I'm talking about in that certain people view it. He says, as long as it's snappy and the games and features I use are only a click or two away, that's all I need out of my UI. It doesn't need to be 4K. It doesn't need to have extra features. I don't buy a $500 machine to look at the UI. I buy it for the games and apps. And I think over on Facebook, one that mirrors that actually comes from uh, Chris Figs, who some of you will have known. Um, he says, no, it could be a black screen with drop-down menus as long as I can select my games. I've never understood this need for gorgeous UI. And that does come down to that thing. Again, where does your per personal preference set? Ultimately speaking, yeah, as long as I can start my games and the games are great, then ultimately the UI doesn't matter what it looks like. But I'll tell you right now. I'm a big fan of a sleek UI that looks really nice, functions really quickly. And one of the things I love about UI is that you can actually feign speed in a way based off of quickness of animations and things that you're doing. Uh, sometimes that can also happen when you go minimalistic, like uh, when you think about very simple on computer side, very simple um, Linux, where it's like, hey, all you're doing is choosing your function and there's no animations, there's nothing to load. It's so slim that it just immediately starts what you're doing. But at the same time, like... My big thing for the litmus test of UI is that clearly everyone does need UI and understands and likes UI because if your phone had a terrible UI, which the cheap, cheap, cheap Androids for a long time did, people view them and suddenly go, those phones are trash. Even for a long time, like they still do. Yeah. Like if you go buy a, like a, a Sony Android phone from Walmart or whatever, or a um, Motorola Android, who even makes cheap Android now? It's LG. 
LD makes some, yeah. And then so does Motorola. And you're talking those 59 to 79 up to like $100 phones. Yeah. It gets better in that $129 range. And by the time that you hit $200 phones, there's actually a lot of great UI and a lot of options that have Google, uh, was it Google One or whatever, Android One, where they have stock Android on them. Yeah. Which is awesome. So, yeah, but I think phones are a good test for that because phones are the thing that pretty much everybody universally uses. And when you have one that's got bad UI, you either don't notice it because you've never had an experience outside of it. You notice it even though you've never had an experience outside of it just because it's rough. And then when you do have a better experience, it kind of just blows your mind at what you've been dealing with. But, yeah, ultimately, I do kind of see where you're coming from. You want to pull another one? Yeah, I was going to say our good buddy Ryan says, I like them simple and clean like my kingdom hearts no uh <laughs> customizable with no ads yes ads a big thing that's why i get so peeved whenever i see ps now ad on my uh playstation pop up or you know here's the newest flash sale go on this to go look at it kind of thing it's like it, it peeves me it also peeves me that there's an option and i have that option clicked and i do that and here we are still getting them matt green on twitter says not really uh not really as i can as long as I can get to my games easy enough, that's what I care about. So we're seeing a lot of more more efficient than uh, visual people. Which... Yeah, and I'm going to follow it up with one more patron, Mr. El Tahuti, very much in line with that. Not really unless it makes getting things done complicated, which mirrors what I'm talking about. Of Once it starts to impede you, you notice it. He says, as long as I can get to my games easily from parties easily and check my trophies easily, I don't care how the UI looks, which I guess that's important. I notice that a lot of people view what I'm talking about as the UI being look-based. Really, I do mean from a functionality standpoint, where do you stand on UI? Like, Do you want UI to bring extra functionality or do you want it to completely get out of your way? And that's because you can have extra functionality and it still look bad, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I think what Blake mentioning Xbox One when it launched, its UI was horrid to me. And it brought a lot of extra features, but it did not make the UI better, nor did it make it look better. Um, so, but I, I, it is interesting that UI, and I get it, UI is technically, we could even say it's, it's, GUI, GUI at this point, because it's graphical user interface, actually, yeah. uh, that we deal with on modern consoles and modern tech in general. Um, but it is interesting that because the user experience is so visually driven, like you see it, people do immediately think of UI and they think of beautiful graphics. Yeah, she's in I just don't realize that. Yeah. She's in The Boys, season two. It's, not, it's been that long since I played Warzone that I realized that that's who that character was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People on... Uh, well, what was I watching a YouTube thing like where it was just a podcast and they were talking about that they were saying discount AOC and now I know who they're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyway, I want to do one more. Uh, I'm going to go try and see one. Get Kyle's. Yeah, Kyle Grimm's. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to say I wanted to pull one more from Facebook, so I'll probably do both. Okay. Uh, that's fine with me. Kyle Grimm, one of our new uh, patrons as well and Good. Li- hey, I'm glad you're in the community, man. You've been vocal, and I like hearing people's opinions. I do, too. He says, honestly, there isn't a whole lot I get excited for with UI on my console. I think having a little more organization and easy in-game interaction with the UI to use other apps and check downloads while running a game would be nice. I think right now it forces you to quit a game. And he's right. Whenever you're going to go into other apps like Netflix, it does force you to quit the game. Uh, checking your downloads doesn't. Going into your settings doesn't, thankfully, which was a problem on the PS3. You checking couldn't go your, into anything. Does checking your internet still make you force quit a game? It doesn't make you quit a game. It logs you out of the PSN. I knew that. I, didn't it used to make you force quit a game? Only on PS3. Hadn't been a problem since wow. the next consoles. PS3, you couldn't do anything yeah. besides check trophies. Yeah, I remember that. You couldn't even. And it well, was really slow. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, again, it was all really slow. If you were going to do any, if you were going to go and try and go into your settings, they'd be like, "Hey, we have to kill." So your the game. the specific reason why you wanted why I wanted you to bring his up too is he makes a good point about organization. And honestly, something I think with organization that I hope is a PS5 thing. I'm not entirely sure it is. You know how on PS4 your crossbar will navigate games based on when you last played them. Yeah. So if you, or downloaded or yeah, so like if you download a game or play a game, it's going to be the first in your crossbar. Or it goes that it does that for everything, not just games. It does that for apps. I want that to be a permanent solution in that I can now organize that how I want it. Oh yeah, like you I don't to- want things to move forward. Like like I I brought this up of like that I have a Sony folder. And it has my capture gallery. It has the uh, playroom. It has all the crap in it that comes pre-installed that I use like one or two apps out of at all times. Um, I don't want that to shoot forward if I'm just going to use it once to show somebody a screenshot. It becomes intrusive at that point. So I think you've kind of gotten your answer from the UI showcase. Yeah. If you remember, they talked about how there's a completely separate tab for for media, which I think shows that they realize that they need to lean even more into what helped in this generation, which is focusing on games and let media still be part of the console because a lot of people use their consoles for media purposes, but keep it separate. And that would include screenshots, yeah. apps like Netflix, uh capture gallery whatever which, it is that you're going into which it, it would not need to be under games let games be entirely games and then i would actually love and we've kind of seen that maybe it's going to be a possibility i don't i understand the basic premise behind the last thing you play the chances that you're going to want to go back and play it are high so let's right. put it front that makes sense but even even if it was something where you could control the first three blocks to be games that you could constantly revisit. It's like your friends list on MySpace. You get to have a top ten. <laughs> yeah. But then let the rest of them be based off of most recent yeah. use. Because like even then. So, Best of both worlds. You get that Hannah Montana aspect out so, of it. So imagine this. Hitting L1 and R1. Everybody knows what that does on your main menu. On your main crossbar. It shoots you to either the store or to your library. Imagine if you could set your top five games and then L1 and R1 shoot you to the beginning and end of that list. So, like, let's say if you have, like, Red Dead, Modern Warfare, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, uh, Nier. And, like, let's say you played Nier, so it's at the front. Mm-hmm. And let's say you could actually move that stuff around, so you put Call of Duty there instead, and you put Nier at the end. Just because you haven't played Nier in a while, it might be a while before you go back. Just to even stop you from having to hold the analog or the D-pad for five seconds to get to it, you just hit R1 and click on it, and you're there. Bada bing, bada boom, quick and Kinda. easy. Now, Living one, room. I, I like your idea, and I get where you're going. I don't know if it'd benefit me too much, but I think that what we're going to see right now from the multiple tabs with the games and media is going to push it to where media is where you hit R1 to go to the media tab. Right. And potentially more I'm, I'm as it continues just to go. I'm PS4 for now. Like, yeah, that, sure. Until, sure. Until I get, get a PS5 reserved. But the, the thing about PS5 is it looks like it's a very clear, which I, I appreciate that this is what PlayStation does, right? They come up with one that people like, which is we see the PS, uh, the, we see the cross media bar, which, as Josh stated, and, and of course I was aware of, actually originally started on a DVR slash PS2 that was called the PSX. It only released in Japan. Uh, that was the first time you could see the cross media bar in action. Then we saw it on the PSP, and then of course we saw it move forward to the PS3, and they were very similar. And then what we saw as they moved into a new generation is that, well, throw Vita out the window. They, I don't know why they didn't try and keep it for Vita, but uh, when PS4 came in, it it is still an evolution of the cross-media bar. And as they come up, came up with this tiered idea of where you can go down for games and most recent apps, but then you can go up for the rest of the cross-media bar, like what are your friends list, what's your settings, what are your notifications. Um, 
it's it's an evolution of that, and then PS5 is a further evolution of that. Whereas Xbox is like, okay, we're going to do the original Xbox, and it's so simple. It's a lot like the PS2. There's it's great UI because it doesn't need to do much. And then okay, well, we're going to go through forward with the 360. We're going to introduce the blades. The blades are actually functionally fantastic, but they're kind of ugly. So now we're going to do something different that is functionally worse but looks better. And then we're going to throw that out of the window and go again. Now we're going to introduce avatars, and we're going to completely change the UI to implement avatars. Before the end of the generation, we're going to kill that completely. Yeah, <laughs> like you can still do your avatar, but it doesn't have they it, they don't pull it into your home screen. So. I guess what I'm saying is I like the idea of a UI. It's kind of like Android and iPhone, right? We were talking before the show started is how each update, they kind of bring each other closer. But the big upside to it is that if you always had an iPhone, regardless of if the last time you updated, which iOS continues to push, right? But let's just say for some reason you went to an Android for a little while. You find that you didn't like it, so you wait two years and you go back to iPhone. The moment you go back to the iPhone, it's still going to be familiar as to what you left behind, even though it's going to have changed some. And that's the same with Android or any sub-Android skin. If you go, like if I use a OnePlus phone, my, and even though OnePlus updates their UI, they still keep phone-specific aspects. Yeah. So I've moved to the OnePlus 8T. It's been two years since I've gotten my other phone, and... This phone, while different, is still familiar. And that's what a good UI should do, even when you're moving across situations. And I like that. I, I even give like the Switch credit because the Switch is relatively similar, but a little more streamlined to what they what you saw from the Wii, the Wii U, the DS, and the 3DS. All of them used very similar UI of we're going to create blocks and you're going to be able to choose how many blocks are seen at once. And then the Switch is like, we're going to take those blocks and just put them in a line. Right. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, and it's, I like that. Whereas yeah. plenty of plenty of things like to just are, I won't say plenty. I'd actually say it's pretty interesting that Microsoft has chosen to completely throw their previous UI out of the window to do something new. Um, so that's a that that'll probably cap it off. I'm gonna go grab one more from Facebook to legitimately cap us off, and um, let's see. I'm gonna go pull one that is. A little, I want I want one more. Someone talking about important, so I'm gonna go to Mr. Hussein Said. He says it's important to me. I want to navigate through my games with ease, and also making it shiny makes me happy to look at how everything is arranged. Plus, the added stuff they announced, like game help, sharing, and others, makes it really impressive. So he's someone who kind of looks at the new additions and likes them, which is very much where I stand. So. Thank you all for participating in the community's take. Always thank like you, to see you. new faces of which we saw quite a bit here. Uh, so yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, shout out to Todd Burwitz and uh, MT Redis over on Twitter. They also gave some answers. They both thought they were good things. So just so you can see their opinions, but moving on, we're going to go ahead and go into the news for the episode. And the first thing I'm going to go ahead and talk about is something I find pretty interesting. Um, Last week, I'm pretty sure it was, we were talking about the mysterious patches that were getting um, sent out to long-dormant, non-patched first-party games, um, plenty of which, you know, God of War 3 was one of them, The Last of Us Remastered has gotten one. There's plenty, uh, but what's interesting is that The Last of Us Remastered that hit is, in, is a weird situation where it's having a drastic reduction of load times, so... In a video that can be seen that compares side by side and from a reputable person, it shows, and you can go check it yourself at this point, The Last of Us Remastered has gone to where when you start the game, the initial load screen is just under 14 seconds. It was like 13.80, and that's down from the original one minute and a half that was there prior to this patch. Um, 
which is a really, really imp- a huge improvement in that game. Uh, another one that might, and it's it hasn't been, you know, I guess corroborated from anybody else, but there's a video that's showing Supermassives Until Dawn where the load screen is virtually removed. There is no loading. Uh, it's a very linear game. And it's on a very optimized engine. If you think about the fact that it's on the early days of the Horizon engine, um, which I can't think of, Decima. Anyway, it's completely gone. And where we are right now is, what is this? And I think about games that have recently shown impressive load time that you didn't expect. And what that game that really comes to mind is Ghost of Tsushima. That game's load times are pretty much less than five seconds at pretty much any given time. It's very quick, maybe seven seconds. I don't know, but it's very quick, and it's in stark contrast to games like Bloodborne and Uncharted 4 and The Last of Us, where you're so used to huge load times. I don't remember this. I don't remember The Last of Us having a load time like this. Yup. And it had it on PS3, and it had it on PS4, and then it had it when they, even when they patched in the pro support. See, I played it when they patched in the pro support. Yeah, and it's it's the same problem that all Naughty Dog games a, have. Is it's, it only when you create a new game, though? No, every time that you first boot the game up, not from rest mode, when you first boot the game and then go into either a save file or a new game, it takes the exact same. It, it's it's long. Uncharted hmm. 4 had the same thing. All the Uncharted games have had the it same It must have thing. been just so much of the norm of, of back then. Of the time, yeah. yeah. Naughty Dog's thing for a long time was cut out loading later by loading a ton as soon as you start the game. And that's how they've done it for a long time. And it was like that on PS3, which had very different memory structure. So one of the things I find interesting here is, what is this? One of the things that first came to mind is, if you remember back in the PS5 tech talk, if you actually ended up checking it out, some things might have confused you or not made sense. But one of the things that Mark Cerny mentioned was that for the PS4, currently they use a, um, I want to say it's called Kraken. They use a current uh, compression technique that's called Kraken, and the PS4 supports it. But there's one that they found afterwards, and I might be getting the name switched up, but the one that they found recently that the PS5 is going to support, and it's going to have built into its SSD components a actual, pro, uh, you know, I, I'm stumbling on the word right now, but it's going to have something in it that's made to compress or decompress that information specifically um, quicker. So that's how you get to that 5.5 gigabytes per second raw throughput and then that theoretical like 25 gigabytes per second that the PS5 can push as a decompression rate. Anyway, I'm wondering, because I was so amazed at Ghost of Tsushima, if Ghost of Tsushima is actually a PS4 title that implemented this type of compression without having hardware accelerated decompression like we're going to see in the PS5 and that's what got these load times so low. And if Maybe we're seeing so. that same thing be implemented into all of these other first party titles so that naturally the PS4 sees an improvement but when you play them on PS5 via backwards compatibility you're going to have the exact thing that they've been talking about where games virtually have no load screen. Can you think about it? 13.80 seconds or whatever on The Last of Us is really good. That's quick. That's on PS4. What happens when you play that game on PS5 on an SSD? Yeah, it's like two seconds. Yeah. It it changes the game, and I think it really acts as a good show point, whether this is intentional or not, and what's happening. If this is Sony's real move, I would imagine that this is a way for them to show, again, 
that their backwards compatibility is up to snuff with Xboxes, despite the fact that people keep acting like it's not. And I get because it's not as deep, but at least the previous gen backwards compatibility is going to be just as competitive. Yeah. And it's going to act as a great showcase for their SSD, which is their strong component over Xbox. Xbox does have more powerful GPU. They have a more powerful SSD. We'll see how those things play out. But having something day one that shows that, which you can do with PS4 titles, is smart. Yeah, and I think that honestly, like for those that pe- that doubted the PS5 backwards compatibility, anyways, I'm not sure why. Um, the only uh, time I doubted it was the amount because they were never clear at the beginning of the amount of the game. I think it was the wording, right? It was the fact that he said we tested the top 100. Well, I should say and it sounded weird. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I should also say that in correlation to Xbox. Oh yeah, where Xbox Day One were like all of our games are going to be backwards compatible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just interesting. Which I think that's one of those things where you see a clear company shift. I think Xbox have probably been thinking about backwards compatibility since they started really looking at, hey, we can even do original Xbox backwards compatibility. Do you know what I think, too, was the, the outlier of that? What? PS1 <clears throat> to PS2 backwards compatibility. The lack of? No, no, the outlier. Oh. I, think that's, I think Microsoft saw that. And oh, they were yeah. like, uh, we could do that with 360 and Xbox One, or, yeah. or the original Xbox. Yeah. And like they were like, if they do that, we have to do that. And that's kind of what pushed them in it. Because Nintendo didn't have any backwards compatibility like that. Yeah. It, it was only Sony. And Sony had it first. Yep. And they had it all the way t- through the PS3. To a point, yeah. Until it became financially not a smart idea to include the PS2 chipset on the PS3 chipboard. I often wonder about that. Like mm-hmm. I often wonder, what would have happened if the PS3 stayed at the same price point it did instead of, instead of going to 299 I don't think it would have caught up because the reality is, is that early days, not only were they were sold at a loss of like 30 bucks a console. Yeah. They didn't have all the great games coming yet either. They were a lot slower. They were, they had a huge loss, which was hard for Sony to take. And I don't think that I I think eventually it, you know, if they could have survived the in-between route of getting to where they had a bunch of great exclusives and maybe only dropping by the normal $100 or so that you would expect throughout the gen or 200 at most, um, which I guess in the long run, they dropped by like 350 <laughs> by the yeah. time they were done. But it was also an elongated gen, and you see all that. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I often wonder what could they have done. But you remember, to get cost down, they cut everything. They cut. Mm-hmm. They went from having USB four ports. USB ports to yep. two. They went from having the built-in memory card readers that were under that flap, uh-huh, that, which made sense for the design purpose. And then when it's there afterwards, it's like, why is this here? Yeah. Uh, but they cut those. They cut uh, certain things in the back. Of, I mean, they already cut price, or they already cut stuff from when they first initially revealed it. Right. Originally, the PS3 was going to have multiple HDMI ports yeah, to do I very similar that. to what the Xbox One was talking about. Um, but yeah, when you see all that, the, the launch model already cut a bunch of cost, and then to go further down, they cut more. But I do think you're right. I think Microsoft saw how well people liked that about Sony, and since Sony had dropped that this gen and they had an opportunity to come into that, doesn't that help you be a differentiator? Yeah. And then Sony saw that and said, well, now that they're doing what we were doing, we've kind of got to get back on the train. I am really surprised at the lack of PS1, PS2 backwards compatibility. I still don't understand why PS3 Classic, or not PS3, but PS2 Classics and PS1 Classics aren't a thing like they all were in quantity on the PS3. Yeah. P- P- you can, you PS2 go- has actually had more PS- PS4 
four rather has had more PS2 classics. Right, yeah. But it's had no PS1 classics. A lot of the Star Wars games that were out back then, like Bounty Hunter and, and uh, Jedi Starfighter and all these, those are all PS2 classics, but you still cannot go and get Shadow of the Lost Empire, whatever it's called, for PS1 or, yeah. or Fall of AC7 or Tactics or anything like that, which was on PS3, so it's super weird. Yeah. Why that's not included. You can do it on Vita, too. And there's no reason. PS1 backwards compatibility, or emulation, rather, which is what they utilize on all those things at this point, is so simple. Yeah. That's why I say I'm still very and confused at the lack of PS1 or PS2 here. It, is that they're very easy to... Well, I won't say PS2 is still kind of complicated to emulate on PC, but PC has so many variables that that's what you have to contend with. When Sony would be developing their own PS2 emulation tech to utilize here... Why wouldn't they be able to do it and go? Hey, this is the PS5, you know, tech. Let's make a let's make a backwards compatible or you know an emulation to do backwards compatibility that utilizes these specs. Yeah. So who knows? But I am curious as to find out what this is, and I don't know that we'd ever hear for sure. But the only thing about Ghost of Tsushima utilizing that new compression method uh, that they that they found and talked about is I feel like that that's something they would have mentioned by now. But like, hey, by the way, we utilize that new, and, and you're seeing it in, in just the PS4 without hardware acceleration to help that decompression. But on PS5, we're going to have special built-in hardware acceleration to decompress even faster, and you can imagine what the load times are going to be and what you can do with the decompression rate. But I don't know. Maybe it's something they're planning on doing and talking about. They wanted to see how it worked in Ghost of Tsushima first. Yeah, I, I could see that as like a test. Yeah, but we'll find out. On top of that, six months after its release, Final Fantasy VII Remake has also finally received its first and only update so far, pushing the game to version 1.01. The patch is simple, citing only that it, quote, fixed various bugs, which is very much in line with what we saw from the patch notes on all those other PlayStation games, the PS4 games. Um, if this is in line with those aforementioned updates about prepping the game for PS5 optimization, that remains to be seen, but it'd be interesting to see. I wonder if lo- load times already weren't bad on that game, so I wonder if they're better. I wonder if the infamous door texture... Nope. That was the one thing that I do know for a fact out of this update. That door in the slums is not fixed. For shame, Square. For shame. That was the first, like, it's funny that that was the, that's how I found out this game got patched, was that was the headline. Door still broken? Yeah, door still (laughs) broken, Final Fantasy patch didn't fix much, or something like that. (laughs) I guess they didn't consider that a bug. (laughs) Even though it clearly is a bug, because other doors around it have the right texture. (laughs) This is what it is. (laughs) That's what it was, Square Enix updated Final Fantasy 7 Remake for the first time, but not to improve that door. (laughs) Headlines can be fun. So, yeah, we'll see what that ends up being. Um... Yeah, I do find it interesting, which I'll give Final Fantasy VII credit. The game ran well. If it wasn't for that dumb door, I mean, it, it is a well... I will say that. Square Square released a solid game. For, okay, so Final Fantasy VII is almost to what Final Fantasy VII should be for this kind of console games, not fifteen, Because it came out, there wasn't a bunch of random microtransactions added to it. There was a lot of weird pre-order, like buy Snickers things to it. That's, yeah, sure. That's fine, but there's no, there was no like weird character patch or character arc uh, DLCs added to it that were that costed money. It wasn't even updated until now. Mm-hmm. And Whereas realistically we know 15 was updated 
day, day one. one. Day, and then it day had one. another patch very shortly after to try and fix that chapter 13 yeah. uh, that people, I think it was chapter 13 that it people was. didn't like. Um, but the thing is, though, this game, the only real big flaw it had was a couple frame rate drops, not many, but then the textures. Yeah, a couple of weird pop, texture moments. Popping problems. That's mm-hmm. it. This should be a model Final Fantasy game and what should be the standard going on now. And I hope we see that with Final Fantasy 16. But you know, of all the things we can say, of. right? We talked about the fact that this game had a long road to release. But I got to give both Kingdom Hearts 3 and this game credit that once they released, they could have stayed in their exact release date and never had an update and it never would have mattered. Like, Kingdom Hearts 3 ran great, looked great, and everything Kingdom worked Hearts as it should. Kingdom Hearts 3 actually got add-on, though. Yeah, it got, it got DLC. But what I mean is that day one, that DLC wasn't needed. You didn't have no. to have it. Well, so when you think about it in the standpoint of the game functioned properly day one. And that's so weird. We're so used to games having big problems day one. Yeah. And definitely from... Or if not big problems, From big smaller updates. developers. Uh, or if not smaller developers, but developers that have had a bad track record, like Square has kind of had this generation. Well, that's, that's, what, that's, what I, that's what I continue to say about, like, I always bring it up that Spider-Man, that was... There's a lot of factors in why I'm all digital now, but Spider-Man was the kick in the nuts to get all digital. It's like, <laughs> I got the game from GameStop at 9. I didn't play it until 11.30. Yeah. It took two and a half hours of downloading... Uh, they, first of all, it had to copy, which is ridiculous that the, that the PS4 has to copy games when it's a physical disc anyways. But then it had to download the update. You don't want to read that game off the disc. Evidently not. I promise you, you don't. <laughs> but I get your point, nonetheless. Uh, all right, moving on to the next thing. Tons of online games currently are having Halloween events to go on. Uh, so, like I mentioned earlier with Call of Duties, their Warzone one. Apex Legends also has one. Rocket League, of course, has one going on right now that I think is Ghostbusters-oriented, which is pretty cool. Um, there's, of course, some that are not online games that have them going on right now, like Mortal Shell. You can actually go around and enemies have like pumpkin heads, and there's different soundtrack and stuff like that in the game, which is cool. I need to get back to that game. Yeah. I love that game. It's very good. Also, speaking of Mortal Shell, if you were waiting for the physical version to come out, it has come out. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know. Yeah, so if, if that was version. something you were interested in. Yeah, they had a before release, they had a big interest in it, and they said, well, we can't meet release day with it, but we can come out with one. Hmm. And that's probably smart. They're a smaller studio. They probably want to make sure that whatever they send to master uh, on a disc is solid. No yeah. bugs. It's going to be a good disc because one of the things about buying digital is that you inherently clearly have online to begin with. But if you're going to buy something on disc, it should be that whatever the disc gives you is a good enough code and solid. Though, while we're talking about that, um, did you see where originally we all know throughout the generation, I'm sure, sure unless you were living under a rock, you've heard someone mention the fact that Assassin's Creed Unity ran like straight garbage at launch. Interesting factoid, if you didn't know this, at launch for both the PlayStation and for the Xbox One, that game had a uncapped frame rate, or at least an uncapped mode, one of the two. And that's part of why it got pushed down all the time. Whenever they patched it to actually make it run better in the long run, they capped the game. So if you play the disc-based version of the game on PS5 or on Xbox Series X, uh, you can go back in and play the uncapped frame rate version, and you can play that game at a locked solid 60 frames per second. Interesting. Yep. So it goes to show that this is an example of where updating a game actually made the potential for the game worse. Uh, another game that had this was the Return to Arkham Why pack. would they do that? What do you mean? 
like, patch it out. Yeah, I think that I, I don't think it was a, it had a frame a, a capless mode. I think it was capless. And the problem when you don't have a cap is it lets you reach new highs, but it also pulls it down sometimes because it's in this weird valley between. Well, you don't Whereas have to worry setting about, a cap on it can actually you wouldn't have to worry about balance. screen tearing though because you're there's no way that. There's no way the PS the the PS4 could run that game over 60 frames per second, could it? No, not at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, but it, it's just it, like that, that's the only way you encounter screen tearing. Another is game the, that did that, but it was an option, was Infamous Second Son. On launch day one, you could play the game without a cap, and it would kind of live in like the 35 to 45 range. Right. But because you'd constantly see it varying between the two, it actually felt more juddery and less smooth than if you just played it at a locked 30. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like unlocked stuff unless it's unlocked above 60 and well, it doesn't go below 60. I, I like unlocked as an option because it, the one thing that I think these new co- consoles are going to teach us is that. For the for the future's sake, if you always have an option for an uncapped version, then that means future hardware can run your game at a better setup and give people the definitive version of your game years on. Do you think anybody thought they were ever going to play a 60 frames per second version of uh, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity? Even PCs when at launch couldn't, couldn't play that game that, at no. 60 frames per second. And I'm talking about high-end PCs. So now that we're seeing consoles eight years, seven years after the game is released... It's pretty interesting to see that now, just because of a design decision that was weird at the moment, actually helped in the long run. And I think the same would be true if they wouldn't have gone back and patched Second Son for 60 frames per second on PS4 Pro, which they did. Um, If they wouldn't have done that and you played Infamous Second Son on PS5, you'd also be able to use that capless mode and hit 60 frames per second naturally, which is cool. Yeah. So I like that basic setup. I mean, it's a good idea, and I would hope that more games ship either with... I don't think games should ship without a cap because clearly when you're trying to push consoles to their limit, you're gonna that cap is almost needed to keep you in like, hey, we have to choose performance that we're gonna land on. Either we're gonna push for sixty and hit sixty, or we're gonna push for thirty and hit thirty more often than not. And but I think it's a cool thing to just go into a game and have options for both graphics, uh, or for resolution rather, and for frame rate to do both of them unlocked and variable and set a cap for the unlocked one for like your resolution that's fairly high. Because if you have a variable frame rate that can cap out at four K Well that's a thing. You can too. hit four K on new console you know, on new uh new hardware. That's the thing too, is you a lot of people don't prefer to use V Sync when they're when they know they can have uh, their PCs hit above sixty because it'll go from sixty to like, you know, it depends on it depends on your monitor. But if you have like a whole hundred one forty four hertz monitor and you're sure. running a game that you know is going to be sixty to ninety frames, you don't you mess with VSync at all. Yeah, because the difference between those frames that high is a lot different than thirty to sixty to yes, thirty. Yes, you again. don't notice the variances nearly as much, so it actually ends up making a game feel smoother instead of locking it at sixty just because you can't hit yeah. a full ninety. Now uncapping it for thirty is like where where my thing is currently. It's like I don't I I don't like it, but that's going to change with next generation because it's yeah. just going to be like PC in a way. It's going to be higher frame rate, so it won't matter as much. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, if we end up getting uh, PS5 Pros or PS or Xbox Series XX, <laughs> but my, my point being is what if mid-gen refreshes come in, <clears throat> then it, it would be smart to have games set up with already made for that future. Yeah. And if people haven't learned that from this point, from developers haven't learned that, Small developers, I understand, probably have a slightly harder time, but I think AAA games should learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing up on the list. 
Give me just a second. Anyway, is the hot off the back of their last update, Sucker Punch, have announced that the new Legends multiplayer mode, of course, is getting a raid. And that raid mode, what you'll need for it, they've talked about it when it's coming, the fact that it's coming, not necessarily a full-on date, but just more that you can play it soon, and they're going to give information on their Twitter. But uh, the raid, called The Tale of Io, consists of three chapters. It requires a key level of 100 and a full team of all four ghosts. Uh, Sucker Punch have recommended that players grind out better gear on higher difficulties before tackling the raid, which, of course, you can expect to hear about soon. So I haven't played it yet. I've heard from multiple people that it's really fun. I just got my copy back, so I may t- I may tinker with it. Um, interesting that there's gear, there's difficulty levels. And the gear is what really throws me off. You know what this is like? This is like, and the better example, what they, what Square and Crystal Dynamics could have done with Avengers. We're talking about with Avengers. Yeah, but instead, this is all the potential. Instead, Ghost gets to be a fantastic single player experience, and then this gets to come down the road and do exactly what Avengers tried to do, and from what I've heard from most people, failed. But the problem was is that from day one, Avengers was always set up to have a very small, short campaign that may people people may like, but then the end game was supposed to be this. And that's what kills me with these games of service style games. <laughs> Why have a multiplayer mode and a single player mode with a story focus? But have the story be short. I don't get it. Like, especially if it's co-opable. Like, I think Destiny does it fine. Like, you know, yeah, your, your base game's like eight hours long, and then you have like probably a total of twelve hours uh, with all your DLC stories. That makes a lot of sense. That actually works. Anthem, kind of the same way. Anthem actually had a had a how long would you say Anthem story was? Six hours, six to eight. I'd say it was longer than that. I felt like it was like at least 10. See, I could be wrong. That's, but I mean, that's fine. Yeah. The only thing that they lacked was the end game, which they have now, but they need, they need to make a comeback. I just think that Avengers was just doomed to fail from the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was right. Between 10 and 15 hours. For Anthem. For Anthem. See, I think I just think Crystal Dynamics was failed to get from the get-go. Yeah. I just think that there wasn't a lot of polish put in this game where it could have been. And well, I, I hear that. We were talking like Spider-Man comes early next year for Avengers, but... Will it even be alive then? Will anyone even be playing at that point? And it kind of... I mean, I'm sure it will bring people back. And they have a road ahead of them. But the one thing this generation has taught me is that people... And we've we've known this for a lot, right? But people have been trend, tra- trend chasers. They always have in gaming. But normally it was confined to tracing, chasing a trend... That was as much of a tongue twister. Um, But chasing trends in single-player games. But now that games are this idea of a service and you're trying to hit that trend with something that's online, it seems like to try and get out to the start, you just have this idea of, like, it's always online, we can update it on the go, so let's go ahead and release it, regardless of what state it's in. And it ends up creating this thing where most of the time, doesn't it seem like these type of games launch, do poorly, and then if they're lucky, they come back a year to two years later with a really big patch. Yeah. Right? Like, we saw that with No Man's Sky, which was at least a... I think No Man's Sky was a lesser offender, if I'm being honest. Well, I think it's the perfect example on what should be done. done, Yeah, And I think Destiny follows that, too. It's a shame that Destiny 2 made more or less the same mistake as Destiny 1 and that the game got better with the first big update. But I think Destiny 2 was better at launch than Destiny 1, so at least they learned some kind of a lesson. But why do these games keep doing this idea? I think the ideal thing for Avengers, right, would have been to launch the game, do exactly what Ghost of Tsushima did. Launch the game with a 10 to 15 hour storyline, 
Um, maybe you can have it to where there's co-op in the storyline just to have some fun or whatever, however you want to pull it off. And then a couple of months after release, come out and say, we're also adding this game mode in where you can play fully online. There's going to be missions and you can choose Avengers and play them and there'll be gear. And you take time to make sure that it's perfect. That would be smart. Are you telling me that Anthem's numbers have been growing lately? Two million people as of October 18th? Sweet. This isn't a real site. There's no way two million people have played this game in, in the last 10 days. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. That's a big, that's a, that's massive number of people influx. That's 33,000 new players from the from one month interval from 18th of September to October. What's happening in Anthem right now? The game went back on sale for like five bucks. Oh. And the games, I'm telling you, most people who play the game definitely at that $5 point are like, oh, this is pretty good. I mean, yeah, for $5, you can't, like, it's like the order. You can't really beat a $5 price point. Yeah. I it's mean, really hard. Like, my name is Mayo is even a dollar. Like, I don't know if he still feels this way, but Donovan, when he was first playing, was like, I kind of like this more than Destiny. And I'm like, it's interesting because, I mean, I'm not, of course, that's a personal the lack of decision. Depth. The lack of depth there is what gets me. Yeah. But I guess it's a thing, though, right? Is one has been able to constantly be updated. I right. think if I, if I compare Destiny 1 to Anthem at launch, Anthem is a much better game. Even their Twitter hasn't had a single tw- tweet since August 4th. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive numbers. So, but I think in the long run, games launching, if you're going to have a single player focus, either be a game like Destiny that knows out of the gate that what you're wanting to do and have the a right amount of content hopefully to do that. Actually. Or just go ahead and have something set up to I, where you release it later. I know what. I've been missing my buddy Ryan lately, and there's a game he's been playing. And I already have Red Dead downloaded, so just in case I want to play No Man's Sky. Yep. And go in and check out what that game's been been doing. I haven't. I mean, I haven't downloaded, but I haven't seen it since it's changed more. Go check out No Man's Sky. I tell you, it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And for whatever reason, typing in No Man's Sky, the second result was a one punch man. I don't know what. I don't know what this the search for this 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 story is. <laughs> I'm gonna move on to the next thing. Oh yeah, you can't search on the store because it just takes you back to your library. I'm so dumb. Oh boy. Uh, interestingly enough, Control Ultimate Edition is back in the spotlight with some backlash, but specifically this time for its Xbox One version, as it's been revealed that the disc-based version of the game will require users to connect to the internet a single time before the game can be verified for players to actually play the game. Publisher 505 says that this is due to the game being bigger than 50 gigabytes, so it was too big for a single Blu-ray disc. Their solution was to use Xbox's intelligent delivery, which I have never heard of that, but it, that's apparently what it's called. Is that called. different from smart delivery? I, I don't know, because it sounds like you just switched up a word to sound a little more intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Literally. Yeah. It says, to deliver the rest of the content needed via download. So it's not that it's necessarily a patch so much as when you start the game, it uses online to funnel into finishing up installing. Now... This is interesting to me because, weirdly, the issue is not present on PS4. The PS4 release is on a single disc, and the publisher says that this is due to, quote, compression and other variables. What is it about PlayStation in this situation that comes into it? And I started offering up speculation in my mind, right? Like, what would be different? So let's look. PS4 would have to contend for PS4 and PS4 Pro. But PS4 Pro typically uses the same textures as the normal version of the game. It just runs the whole game at a higher overall rendering uh, resolution. So you'll still see the same, let's say that there are 1080p textures, you'll still see those same 1080p textures 
even though the game is now rendering in 1440p or 1800p. Uh, whereas on Xbox, what could be happening here is that typically Xbox, because it has to contend for original Xbox One, has to contend for Xbox One S, which does have a slightly different CPU. It also has to contend for the One X. One X also, more often than not, does run higher resolution textures when you're running them in One X mode. I was going to say that is this is this running 4K textures, and that's the that's the size disparity. It may not be 4K textures, but it may be 1440p textures. It may be. Slightly bigger textures. The other thing might be, even then, that there's more assets alone, not only from the higher-end textures, but for the original one, what they might be having to do, and I don't know that for sure, but what they might have to do for the original Xbox One to be able to have this variability is to have the game, uh, or have lower model textures than you originally would for the one. So you you have a switch to low for the one, you have medium ones for the one S, uh, that are just like your standard ones, and then you have to have the higher end ones potentially. And for they're the all one. separate sizes and all separate. Yeah. And since you have uh, that much more assets, yeah, because yeah, you'd have 1080p, 4K, 1440p. Because I almost, I'm almost certain that a game like this isn't going to try to get away with just running 1440p. I'm sure there could be some kind of 4K in it. No, I think I, I don't know for sure. I haven't played Control on Xbox. This is Xbox One. This isn't Series X. This is Xbox One. And well, one that, that's what so, I think that they're doing for this is that like the whole. The whole control thing, anyways, is all in relation to the next gen consoles. Yeah, to so, an extent. Yeah, yeah, and that's no. what I'm worrying. Not worrying, but that's what I'm curious about is that this game is used often as not now for a uh, um, a view at next gen upgrades. Yeah, what is that called though? When you when you when you test it, what is it called? Testing ground? No, well, I guess so. Yeah, there's like an official term for it, like when you test test bench games. But it's not oh, test. benchmark? It's benchmark. Okay. Yeah, but... <laughs> it's more of a benchmark now than anything else, it seems. Kind of. But what's weird about that is I'm pretty sure the Xbox Series X updates that you would get would come in a patch on the Series X version as you get the free upgrade. Unless, so, unless they just crammed them all into the game so they didn't have to do that. I really doubt it, though. I, 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 dude, because I, I it's also a Because it's also a free upgrade for the PS5. Do you think the PS5 is just going to use the same 1080p textures if that's what they are from the base game? I doubt it. So well, here, see, that's, what, that's the disparity there. I have that, another theory, though. Go on. We were talking about compression earlier, and they specifically mentioned compression. Is the PS4 version utilizing this new compression that, again, this is just a theory, but is that new compression that Sony might be going through and patching all these games with, since this game is a new release, did they go through and compress this game using that new compression form and the PS4 version can utilize it, but the Xbox One one possibly can't? That's a good point because, of course, people know what compression is and it could very well compress the size of these files into a much smaller than 50 gigabyte size limit for the disc, for the Blu-ray, whereas the Xbox doesn't have that same compression technique. Therefore, these 4K textures or 1440p textures, they cannot be compressed or as much. they'll, They'll be compressed. Follow me on why, though. So you got to think about it. The reason is is that Sony's clearly been working with this compression format, this new one. And they've been dealing with it for PS5. And they have it hardware accelerated on PS5. But there also has to be some stuff in the basic system software to help run that. If they've been doing that, think about what just came out. PlayStation Update 8.0 came before all of these updates have started happening. Did Update 8.0 bring something into the back end that allowed the PS4 system architecture to utilize this new stuff? I felt like data miners would get to that. If so, that does partially defunct uh, my Ghost of Tsushima using that theory, that it could be using that, um, though it could be using a different version of it. Who knows? But 
uh, the one thing about data miners is that all of the new things that you can see, uh, all the new updates that have been happening, mm-hmm. data miners have been able to find on most of them that there are there are PS5 indicated things within the p- patch notes for these PS4 games. They just getting, can't. They don't know what they, they don't are. know what they are, but yeah. they're markers for PS5. Gotcha. So that could be it. I mean, so. it could be. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but I think compression's key here. We'll find out, I guess. I think enough. compression will be become a big deal this next gen because of the. It did the same drive. thing in the music industry. Yeah, it's true. So that was one of the big like when music industry was at a stalemate with MP3s, when sizes were still kind of slowly becoming a thing. Like where 512 megabytes, not gigabytes, megabytes was the thing. Compression techniques were starting to become the new future, so you can get more onto that 512 megabyte. But if you remember, it wasn't always great. It wasn't. Because <laughs> sometimes it compressed it so bad that it didn't sound like the same song at all. I had a Slipknot um, t- uh, 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 Wait and Bleed. That right? sounds I, like it's a, a pitch I, higher. I ha- yeah. yeah it, I remember. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> awful. Yeah. Uh, you know what's weird is that that's coming. Compression and the way that stuff goes is still coming in because streaming compression is still a thing. And right now. I hate ooh, this table. Right now Spooky. when you're looking. <laughs> But uh, if you look right now, one of the big things is going on between people is which of the streaming services can actually utilize better compression uh, to give you or different file types and then compress them further to stream to you so that you get higher quality streaming. Title streams wave to you. Well, and not only that, so that but you get high quality streaming. Yeah, and like it, it's interesting too because I think that if anything video streaming is a good parallel to video game streaming or it will be because now we can see that just in the past year 4K streaming has become a thing where it works okay. Right? Like there's not a lot of weird I'll give um, a shout out to Sonic um we did it for midweek matinee, yeah. the new Sonic movie, and Chris bought it in 4K UHD. Yeah, and I've streamed plenty of things in 4K UHD, and they've looked rough. Yeah, it's, and it's, there's a lot of I can't. I don't really know. I can't think of what it's called, but it's like when there's a scene that's dark and there's streaming artifacts. Well, yeah, I guess so. And it's normally in dark it's like areas. Crunchy. Yeah, it's like there's block. It's blocking. Color. It, it's it's color blocking. It's like it's similar to color banding, where yeah. you see the gradient as it go, but in a block form as it goes between different colors. And you know dark. what's weird is that like right now with coronavirus going on, you can't stream YouTube in 4K from a mobile device. So like if you like if you go to YouTube, you can't find a 4K video. Weird, uh, because it's bandwidth. They don't want everybody's at home not doing. Well, who anything. has a who has a four K screen on their phone? Very well, few. you could always still view in four K and it's still take a bandwidth. super sample. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, but you can't. They've locked it now to where it has to probably max out at whatever your screen's resolution is. Yeah, and when we when we stream Sonic, that was the last movie I got to stream on four K, and that that was a good example of like this movie looked Dude, good. I could not see a single streaming artifact. Yeah. And normally we were discussing that, and I I'm a little I have to take a little umbrage with your. <laughs> video is a good analog to gaming for only one purpose. I think you know what it is, but I get what you mean from a visual standpoint is what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, and yeah, you're right because I have streamed plenty of movies that I also happen to own in 4k UHD. And then I've out of curiosity, I would stream them for a little bit and then I'd put in the movie and restart it and watch the same bit yeah. on, on disc. It's and it's drastic. amazing but how I'm, different it but is. But what I'm saying is not how it's comparable now to what it is. I'm saying how far it's come in the past year Yeah, sure. when you yeah. couldn't even really stream 4k in the past. Like, did you did you ever try to stream 4K like over a year ago? Yeah, when I it first was, got the TV, it was almost like non watchable. Yeah, I now streamed, it's gotten to the um, point where it's good enough quality that like unless Car- altered carbon 
on Netflix oh. in 4K. And I was excited. I was like, maybe it'll look good. And I was like, oh, it no. Probably doesn't. Death, but super it's a very dark show. Yeah. I think Sonic Fair as well because it's a lot of bright scenes. But just in the past year um, for this, like we, we've gotten to a point now where streaming 4K is, is, is got to the point now where um, viable. It's, it's viable and, it, and it's, it's easily watchable if you're used to that kind of thing. If, you, if you're used to it. It uses so much so much memory so much data rather yeah um it's crazy but yeah i don't know i mean we'll definitely see what it ends up coming down to i'm just curious to see how much the decompression choices and the ssd choices from sony play an impact on actual game design yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure like like we already have examples right now that we haven't been able to really see People pointed out in spider-man now that when he actually goes in the sea there's no load screen and when there used to be every single time uh, granted, those transitions were somewhat uncommon. I'm not going to say rare because it was anytime you went to Doc Ops building, you had you had a loading screen in and out. Um, but then like Ratchet and Clank, like the whole wormhole thing. Yeah. And Which what, again, we can see it there, but how much does it bleed into third party? Yeah. And how much does third party say, well, on the PS5 version, maybe we can make it to where there is no load section, but there has to be a load section on the Xbox version even if it's still small, but the PS5, due to this compression rate, can just skip loading completely. Yeah. And I hope that is what happens because I don't think that you should... It, it shouldn't take much extra work because all you're doing is, oh, we have enough room here to let the decompression rate help us load this in without having to worry about it due to this SSD speed. And well, Xbox it, can't do that. Okay, well, we have to put a two-second load window in. I don't think it's... It doesn't... It utilizes each console's strengths better and then it also doesn't take away. It's not like suddenly in the Xbox version, you're having to load for 30 seconds. And a good example of this is on the Vita, they ported uh, E7 or 8, whatever it was, uh, Lacrimosa of Dana. And on the PS4 version, the sections between load windows were humongous. And even when you loaded, it was like instant. But on the Vita version, they had to cut that into like one area became 10 areas. Yeah. And there was a, like a five-second load between each area. So, so there's something that if you're bored and you're, and you're done watching this, go to YouTube. And, of course, it's not going to be as comparable, but it's going to be just be something to keep in the back of your mind. And look up on YouTube. M.2 SSD storage load time comparisons. You will see that most of the time, if it's a good uh, brand like a Samsung Evo M.2 drive, you're going to see less than 20 second load screens on about every game. Yeah. And I, I won't do stress this. Load screens and loading times will be, cuts, will be cut significant even if they don't if third party studios them. don't support them. So like if they say like this is going to be too much work, we're going to go with the lowest common denominator and do it with yeah. the way Xbox is going to be on the Xbox and on PlayStation, they may have two different SSDs, but they will still be ridiculously fast loading times just with what comes with an SSD. Yeah. The nature of an SSD is important. The nature of the hardware itself, yeah. yeah. And that and that means that even if they do have to say a, a load window is necessary on both of them, well maybe on the Xbox one since there's this 2.4 gigabytes per second raw and then I haven't looked into their compression stuff yet. Um 2.4 gigabytes a second is amazing. <laughs> yeah, but 5.5 gigabytes a second raw is also insanity. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, no. I'm just saying in comparison, yeah, it's they're still both amazing. they're so high. Yeah, they're both. That's really crazy when you think about what we have this generation. But um, going into that, you'd have a natural thing where the PlayStation 5 version may load in one second, whereas the Xbox version loads in since it's half as slow. We'll say two seconds. I guess my thing is, I would just love it to be something to where you don't even think about it nearly as often. Um, I think my big thing here, and there's still a lot of work that goes into it, 
And I don't want it to go to a point where it just loses its thing. But you know, God of War's uh, no-cut camera thing was really hard to pull off, partially because of the way you have to worry about data streaming in. But one of the things that the SSD does is I think it makes it a lot easier for games to do continuous camera as long as you build your rig up of how you want to transition gameplay between whatever mocap or animation that you've done. And if you can pull that off and let more games kind of utilize that, I think it's a cool thing. Even if you let utilize games where it's a single, it's not a single cut, but instead it's still multiple cuts, but you make a game to where it never loads literally ever. And you cut out all the things that feel like half-ass loading, like going down elevator shafts and whatnot. Like they were talking about in the unreal five demo where you'd have a stretch where it's trying to hide. Or actually it was the PS five tech talk where he's saying, you know, one of those scenes you see in games often is someone squeezing between something and that's to hide the loading as they're ditching what you just went through and bringing you into the new one it's it makes sense but if you can completely cut that and give me a game that doesn't feel like it has those fluff moments you know it's it's interesting i'm I'm curious i partially wonder you know we complain about spider-man and its use of what we consider and of course pacing is a little weird but we consider the pacing of Spider-Man to be a little off, right? Have you yeah. ever thought that maybe the game's legitimately having to go through in the background and load some of that data in for the next mission, and that's why it has to stop you? Because that game pushed the PlayStation quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, so, that's, that's actually possible. Um, it still doesn't explain those, those awful Mary Jane scenes, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just bad pacing on a on a design level. Hey, you want to play a Spider-Man? Let's play as Mary Jane and go around and do stealth sections as her. You know, I don't even mind that if they were better. <laughs> I guess that was my thing. They weren't, yeah, they weren't good at they, all. They weren't even good stealth. It was just like, we're going to break up and do something different even if it's not great. Like, if anything, I'll give, of the two, Miles sections were much more fun. But yeah, even though there, were, there was only two in comparison. Yeah, right? I think so. There's I can't three remember Mary exactly. Janes, I think. But we're going to move on from that. Um, couple more things, and then uh, we're going to wrap up with kind of the last thing, which I'm sure everyone knows. But NBA 2K21 has followed the unpopular footsteps of its prior releases, and more recently, EA with its UFC games, uh, as they have added unskippable ads into pregame loading screens just a month after release. Uh, 2K say that this implementation was not intended and will be fixed in future, quote, episodes, which is the weirdest wording I've ever heard. This sounds like It sounds like it's supposed to mean patch, but also I'm pretty sure that they just did it, got caught, and people were like, we don't like this, and they were... It's always interesting, right? Do you you trust this company after they did it once and now they're doing it again? It's like, we didn't intend for this. Oh, really? You didn't intend to put ads (laughs) in your game? Like, oh, hold on. Well, they said what it was is that they weren't supposed to be there. It was supposed to be integrating ads into the 2K TV thing to make it be more grounded. All this is about getting money from them. I don't believe this. But ultimately, I think this is one of those things where it's the audacity of certain companies to be able to go, well, EA just tried it and failed, but we're not EA. We could do it. We could pull it off. (laughs) It's just funny. I mean, I don't know. It's. Uh, Saul was telling me something that I actually was unaware of prior to this, where apparently the 2K uh, basketball games, um, since that's the only one around anymore, uh, 2K used to be a lot more than just basketball. But 2K stopped supporting their games, uh, their basketball games, six months after the new one releases. I was unaware of that. Yeah, like so like the updates of the rosters. And I want to say they even did the same. Like Even EA is doing the same thing for Madden. But is it more than that? Did they cut the server completely? I want, I want to say they do. That Somebody is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm 99% sure I read that. That's really that, surprising. That it's not only like the game's not getting supported after six months uh, after after launch. It, it's cut 
all and null. Like it's just done. Ugh, that's weird. All right, next thing up before the last thing is CD Projekt Red, and I love this. This is cool. Have revealed that for Cyberpunk 2077, they wanted to support multiple languages. Alongside this, they wanted to have full lip, lip sync for each language, or at least the 10 major ones they were wanting to support. And due to the sheer scope of the game and dialogue, the solution they landed on was using AI-driven tech to predict the character's phonemes, which are like the and transition letters that kind of go through. So in that... They're using a tech that's called Jali, I think, J-A-L-I, which is a set of animation tools that offer expressive lip sync to go along with the predicted data so that they can essentially have AI go through and at least give you some form of lip sync. And I think that this is important because one of the things that gets me is when you see a game, definitely I think this would be a great thing if it gets budgeted to help with smaller games that get made in Japan or made in another country and then they get a different main primary language and then come over here. So it would be a benefit for me as an American gamer. But of course, all of the people, actually a close, a recent example, right? The lip sync in um, Ghost of Tsushima was the opposite of usual. It yeah. was lip sync for English, but if you played with the Japanese audio, it wasn't a match. It's the opposite of what it we're used to. Yeah. Where and, and, and even then, if I'm playing a Japanese made game and the lip sync's off, I I kind of look past it. Like I oh yeah, it. it's easy most thing. of them like Bloodborne and like Demon Souls and all those. They don't even move their mouth. <laughs> actually, or they go to the old school flap. Actually, I'll tell you this much right now. Do you did you know that when you are walking around the overworld and near and you, and not S and Two B start to have a conversation, they don't move their mouths in that conversation because they're anticipating you to be moving. Yeah. Well, I stopped. Well, I don't even know if it's that. I was which, to be fair, we clearly see them talking often. Right. But at the same time. Do they need to talk? They're androids. They can communicate via any way they choose. Short, short form, so wavelength. What it comes down to is this is just where technically the lore supports any dissonance that would otherwise exist between spinning the camera and not seeing them talk because they don't need to. They're not human. They don't have well, to. No, talk. I didn't even spin the camera. That's the, that's the funny part. Was like I got to the resistance camp and like I had I guess I, I had come out of the, the little resting room and it was in such a way where they were facing the, the screen and I set my controller down for a second to go drink, get a drink of water and I came back and they were talking but their mouths were staying still. I was like, huh? I never noticed that, but I guess on normal circumstances you never would. Yeah, because you're going to be doing gameplay. Though I will tell you, I love and it's normally in high high budget games, and you got to remember, Nier Automata, even though it's become a huge success, is not high budget. Was not a high budget game. I'll tell you right now, like there's still there's still a trope it looks in this great game. Still, it does look good, but there's still a trope in this game that uh, is actually kind of rare, or not even rare, but more uncommon these days, and that's readable dialogue mm-hmm. for a majority of voiced characters. Mm-hmm. Because like like uh, Jackass and then the Resistance Leader and stuff, they'll they'll they have plain voice actors, but then every now and then, if it's for stuff they, that's very short, it's just readable dialogue instead. Yeah. Interestingly enough, and that's how I you know the like budget. It's, it's nostalgic, really. Oh, it is. But you know the way that you know that budget plays into that is that the remake or whatever you well, want to call it of near. Um, replicant, I guess. Replicant, rather. Yeah, not Gestalt. Replicant. Uh, they're having every bit of dialogue in the game voiced. Yeah, and honestly, like. I don't require that when I play a game. I don't require voice dialogue. It, it is unusual to see nowadays to have voiced and then unvoiced in the same instance. Yeah, because like Kingdom Hearts is a good example recently of a series that constantly had readable dialogue and you never thought twice about it. Yeah. But Kingdom Hearts 3 is fully voiced. I don't know if I can name another game where the same conversation they'll go from voiced to unvoiced. It's very rare. That was a comment on PS2, but yeah, it's 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 really gotten to where it's... 
And I wouldn't say exact conversation, but say instance. Like you, you go to the camp to talk to the uh, like the resistance leader, and then suddenly and it then cuts it's like, to them stopping talking and just reading the rest of it. Yeah, like it's it's it it is. I guess it's in the same instance, but not exactly in the same conversation. That's a little misleading, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, I where know. it's like mid sentence, suddenly you just start reading. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not mid sentence, but yeah, it's like mid mid conversation. Well, yeah. I guess it is mid conversation because <laughs> it's all the same. It's all you know. Same context of what they're talking about. Well, it's weird because it's like they Play give you the game. majority of the information in the voice thing, but then if you want a little bit more information, they just keep talking. Yeah, that is that is another thing too. Yeah, I don't, it is what the it voice is. acting in that game is. But perfect. I like it because like another example recently when I was playing Judgment, uh, which you know is Judge Eyes or whatever. Yeah, uh, there is an English voice cast for it. Mark Hamill and stuff is in it. It's actually solid. It's a pretty good voice. I mean, Mark Hamill in a in a Yakuza game. Yeah. So anyway, the voice, the, the lip sync is they they try at least. I'll give them that credit. They try and they and that's why normally for a Yakuza game they don't bother with vocals or anything. They just do it. But the, since this is kind of not Yakuza and they kind of viewed it as like even though it's a side game, it's a way that people might see it and just buy it without having to feel weighted down by Yakuza. Yeah. That it made sense to go ahead and do a real voiceover cast and then try with the lip sync. But there's a lot of moments where it just you could tell that they were like ah. They're probably not going to pay attention. But if you go through with something that's just AI focused, all you're doing is feeding it the information and it scans and kind of listens to the thing. It's like deep faking the lips. Basically. I mean, it, it's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say it, it is the same as No Man's Sky in the sense that it just creates something based off of, uh, what do they call that? Um, An instance? I mean, not instances. What do they call it when they when it's something's uh, randomly generated, but what they do is they have a bank full of of things they can pull from and pull together. I can't think of what the bank is called right now. Um, Um, But essentially... It's not a seed because that is what it creates. Yeah, the seed is what it creates based off all all of the randomly... Right. So either way, stuff like that, it's like if, if it essentially is able to pull from a bunch of pre-rendered art assets or whatever, or in this case, animation assets for lips to be like, well, this is an R and this one's kind of more of, and it depends on like R after it comes out after an A that has an A pronunciation. This is R after it comes after an A that has a A so, pronunciation. So what's interesting about this, the biggest takeaway for me is that this is a Polish studio mm-hmm. too. So they, not only they have to do Poland and American languages in this lip sync, but they're going to do everything that they're going to like support, which is a major Major accomplishment. Did you ever see the picture of the um, of the script for this game? Yeah, I did. It's like six. No, it wasn't six foot. It was like four foot off the table. It was. It was. It's quite tall. Oh, this was the Japanese script, and it was just a piece of it. If you wanted a visual representation, uh, yeah, Either yeah, way, that's about what is that? You think about three foot off the table to that, a, damn, that is, and it's and it's the entire three. width of the table. Yeah, it's it's. If you stacked it up in single page format, that'd be about ten foot tall. Yeah, and that's I'd only say, part I, of the game. I'd say each of those are about two and a half foot tall. <laughs> uh, so when you think about that much dialogue and how much, and it, to be fair, The Witcher Three is just printed money. Honestly, for them, since so. since since I can't play anything on PS5, and Demon Souls is still in that weird limbo of like, it could be PS4, or we don't know. I'm just probably gonna get. I don't think it is. I, I think they would have said it by now. But if it ends up not, then. I'm just going to get Cyberpunk on Bad choice on them. And play it on PS4 and then just resume it on PS5 if you can. If you can, I don't you know can. what I'm going to do. Okay. Your save goes forward. Cool. Because I like that because games that are like this, there's no reason for them not to. You know I mean? Realistically, well, you're just moving your thing up and you're not playing the PS5 version. This you're is playing the, the PS4 version. This is the one where you don't want that to happen to. Yeah. Because it's like you put a lot of time <laughs> in creating your character and crafting a backstory <laughs> and getting through a, a specific subdivision of the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is this is much more RPG than The Witcher is. In the true sense of like, you make a character, you make a background, yeah. You determine like different, you know, your style and different things are based off of that. And ironic, I like that. Before I knew what The Witcher really was, I remember telling you, I wish you'd create a character in The Witcher. Yeah. People got PS5s that we didn't. Last thing. Uh, now here's the thing. I don't want to even remotely sound like we're salty. I did not expect to get a PS5. Listen, we didn't I'm get a PS5 salty because I can't get a reservation. Saul's for a PS5. yeah, Saul's problem is that he just wants them to extend an exclusive reservation. So they I told I told uh, Snowjet I was like, can I talk to somebody at Sony to get y'all a PS5? And I was like, just talk to somebody at Sony, give me give me a pre order. <laughs> like that's all I care about. <laughs> Sony could be like Triangle Square. We love them. They're not big, but uh, here you go, boy. Say some pre orders. Like you, you you get it on launch. You gotta pay for it. You know the interesting thing about this, right? It's very much in line with like. I've liked the idea of being able to get a game so that we could do something like a spoiler cast, but day one, like when the game comes out, so that or whenever it is that the uh, the embargo lifts, and uh, or do a you know do our spoiler cast the way we always have, where it's unspoiled and then spoiled. I see. I don't like doing spoiler cast anymore just because of how long it takes us to play the game. It feels way too late. That's what I mean. It's so like if we it's had point, it before, it's almost pointless. It's one of those things where like the, if you realize spoiler chats came back. Even you know it's we're we're doing it as something that doesn't isn't tied to when a game is released. It's it's very different. That's also why it's called something different. It's called Triangle Square presents spoiler chats because it's more about going to any game from any period that we choose and just playing it and talking about it. And from the get go, we're automatically spoiling it. Yeah. Uh, whereas what we used to do is kind of the idea of like it was impressions. It was this idea of that we would it was give like a you game review of a game that just came out. Parts of it, it with- that don't spoil, and then we'd go in for people that wanted to listen after they had beaten the game and hear our. Because we did it with games. God of War, Far Cry Five, and Spider Man. I think that was it. Hellblade, maybe? Hellblade, yeah. But, yeah, when you think about those, I think what we used to do or what I used to do is I'd reach out because there's a spot where you can do it as a... uh, I don't want, I hate the word influencer. It's kind of weird, but as a creator, you could go and you can request uh, for codes and stuff. And what I actually would do almost every time is I would say like, you know, all we're wanting is the ability to be competitive with content and also just time to where we feel like it's, we're putting our stuff up there in a timely manner. I was like, I will pay you. And I, I don't know if they're allowed to do that. Yeah, or like, if there's like, some reason, but I've always offered like, Hey, if we can get a copy of Detroit Become Human a month before it comes out, I will pay you for the game. I don't care. Yeah. I have no problem paying you for it's the not thing. About I'm getting buying it, the game anyway. It's not about getting it for free. It's about getting it early yeah. so that we can then form an opinion on it. And that's another thing that I kind of hate too is that like a lot a lot of reviewers are really tough to watch out on because sometimes you can't review a game in the time frame it's given to you and have a full-fledged opinion on it that is enough to influence mass people to either buy or not buy the game. Yeah. So, like, you know, getting into this PS5 thing, I think the weird thing it comes down to, and you can see this kind of echoed on the internet, one of the things that you'll learn about any person that you watch for a long time, you should be able to gauge that even when they get something for free as part of just people wanting them to essentially market the item for them, that you trust their opinion and and their integrity enough that they're going to give you their honest opinion of it regardless of if they got it for free. Right. Uh, that's, what, that's the hallmark of somebody that you know you can trust. Now, one of the things that's interesting, though, is when it comes to something so high-end like a PlayStation 5 and they're expensive in comparison to what people are wanting, you know, when you have this kind of setup, people can suspend that a lot quicker with a $60 game than they can with a $500 system. So there are some people out there right now that are like, well, I want to trust the opinion more of people who are going to pay for their PS5 and get it day one just like we are. 
are just like, we can, you know, people who are doing it from the same position of opportunity. So it's kind of like where I am, you know, it, it's, it is all about time. I still want to support the game developers. I still want to pay for it. It's not about getting a free code for me, even though I don't disparage people who do get free codes. I understand no. that that's a... That's their job. Yeah, and that's cool. But, you know, it does come down to where I I've, I've thought it was interesting that a couple of people on, on the situation... And this goes to show you kind of the jadedness of the gaming industry, but also a little bit of human nature. I've seen a couple of smaller channels, like people who have like 1,400 followers, apparently, which just for reference, we have like 1,600 Twitter followers. That doesn't matter. But um, apparently, I, I haven't been able to find them. I haven't looked that hard. But I saw people complaining that a smaller person, a creator, who's only been doing it for like a year, and he has like 1,400 followers, apparently got a PlayStation 5. You got to watch that, though, because I, the the one that I saw was 1,500. It wasn't 1,400. Maybe it was 1,500. I mean, I'm the going guy off had a memory. had a 400,000 subscriber YouTube channel. Interesting, yeah. So, so like, it's, it's yeah. just one of those things of, like, that's the Twitter sphere gauging off of Twitter followers, which may not be important to its his relative uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, sure. And so, regardless, like the, like it was us. just interesting. We have more subscribers on or Twitter followers than we have YouTube subscribers. Yeah, so, far. like, that's like, yeah, so if somebody compared our YouTube without knowing how many Twitter followers we have, because uh, we got we're elite, we got that many followers. Um, speaking of which, though, in the UK we are now classified as celebrities. I don't know if you know that or not. The UK, it's the government itself recommend uh, recognizes if you have over fifteen followers or fifteen hundred followers on any one given platform, you are a celebrity in the UK. So we'll go to British. <laughs> or when we go to British, when we go to British, when we go to Britain, there better be a red carpet and tea waiting for us. Uh, I will actually say a lot of our British listeners have said if we ever make it over there, they would love to have us like go out. I'd, I'd, and- dude, I'd, I'd go to a pub. I'd get me some 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 beer from from Britain or from you know the Shire or wherever we're going. <laughs> and um, that's okay. I can make fun of us from being Arkansas from being from Arkansas. But uh, Arkansans, Arkansan, that's not a real thing. Hey, it's better than. In, in case you don't know, in the United States, there's a state called Utah, and if you're from there, you're a Utahn. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> No, it's not. I promise you. You're lying. It was my fifth grade social studies thing, and I had to look up this. Why stuff. does that sound like the potato, the Yukon, the pot- <laughs> a Utah? Uh, what is it? A Yukon. A Yukon. You sound like a potato. Yukon, a native or inhabitant of Utah. That's so stupid. You can't be Utanian or something like. Even then, you sound like you're from the 1950s alien, like Uranian. I have it pronounced real quick because maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong, but. Let's hear it real quick. No, it's yeah, just as stupid as, as you yeah, said Utah. it. Yeah, that's so stupid. <laughs> Shout uh, out if you're from Utah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not hating. I'm not hating on you. Just, it's just a it's a weird word, you know. I don't even like that. Like, why am I a Texan or an Arkansas or Arkansan or whatever? Where are you from? I'm an Arkansan. No, you're from Arkansas. Like, that's all you have to say is like, where are you from? Oh, okay, so you're you're from Arkansas. That's it. Tribal mentality, man. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, but going off the PS5 thing. I, Clearly, a lot of people got them. People that you'd expect to get them got them, which is, you know, like I said, I, I looked at it and was like, oh, okay, yeah, I thought they'd get it. I thought they'd get it. Um, this is neither here nor there, nor does it really matter. But I was really surprised just because it goes to show where PlayStation is right now. This year has been, regardless of where you stand with them, just from a factual looking in, um, they've, they've taken political stances. And regardless of where you land on those, those have gone through and changed some of their decision-making. And one recent example is like Colin has the biggest PlayStation podcast by far. 
Yeah. And yet he didn't get a PlayStation 5. So what they're doing here is that they're kind of reinforcing with who they send this stuff to their political standings. And I they want, don't they don't have a relationship with Colin at all apparently outside I of I saw this. that, yeah. yeah. He's like I did not get a US or PS5 and he's like and then he he fought, he made a follow up tweet like it's just because I have no uh, interactions with them. Yeah, like, well, but, makes, but they cut interaction and support for them for like review games and stuff, which is fine. Again, like well, I said, I regardless if, of where you fall in the political spectrum of any of that stuff, it doesn't it, matter to us. I don't care. Is it at fault for like, could he have requested it maybe? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't know. A lot of gray water there. But clearly, I, I, I guess the only thing that was weird to me about that, right, is that if you're... If anything, this goes to show that this is not just Sony saying we want to try and get out there to, to as many customers as we want because clearly if you wanted to alienate an entire group of people who most people will find one podcast that they really like and listen to it. Some people listen to multiple when it comes to a single subject. If you're you, if you're the biggest PlayStation podcast, sometimes dead air is better than sick air. <laughs> you okay there? Champ? I think I may have just had the first example of heartburn ever. Like, is it gone? Or reflux? I don't know. It what, must've been reflux. I've never had that. Oh, so I don't know like what right I'm here? experiencing. It's burning. Yeah, that's reflux. What'd you eat? Did you eat pizza for breakfast? Uh, no, I ate a bowl of cereal. I don't know. Was it pepperoni cereal? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they would uh, cut that part of their market off. And, I, and again, when you think about the way that they talked so far about wanting to have high adoption of the PlayStation. Um, it's interesting that you would not send it to the place that from a podcast level, which is pretty, you know, podcast of a thing right now, um, is your biggest potential audience. Well, not only, but that, I guess you feel like you have a built in audience, right? Because it's a PlayStation podcast. So you're probably like, well, they're going to buy it anyway. Well, that's, that's, that's a, <laughs> that's a good point. But at the same time for me, I think it's a little frustrating because I'm not, I'm not super jealous. I'm a little jealous that people have got these. And we and I don't even have a reservation. I think that's my big point here is that like it's part of a marketing campaign. You told these people to go and then there's even a hashtag, like I think it's from PlayStation or something like that. Via PlayStation is what the hashtag is. Oh, I didn't so, know that. So they post a picture of their of their PS five box and they put via PlayStation hashtag. And yet they can't even get enough pre orders out for, for fans who want it like me. Like it, it's kind of like it's irritating because it's like it's I, the balance of tech. It is, but at it the same time, it's, it's just, is annoying. It's annoying that like, why even have that little campaign that you're having people put via PlayStation? No shit, your PlayStation Five came from PlayStation. We're not dumb. <laughs> but like, like why, why post it today? The, the those embargoes go up. Like, why even have that? Like, we know these people have this stuff. So I think what it is, right? Somebody was talking the other day. I think it was in the Podcast Beyond group, which I'm still in on Facebook. I don't interact in it very often. Um, but every now and then it is interesting to see what like different groups that kind of pull together uh, kind of think and see people's opinions come up. So I still end up staying in it. But um, one of the things I thought was interesting is, and I understand because we've all gone through it, right? But there's people who are like, we should have known all the information we're learning now t- like a year ago. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with a year ago. Not a year ago, but certainly not um, now. But their follow-up question to that was why have they been drip feeding information? And I think the clear reason is to, that it ends up, int- it ends up answering the question that you kind of just ask of why even do this is that Sony's like MO this generation or coming into this generation. As we hear more and more about PS five has been just enough information to tantalize you 
but not enough information to be done. And we've clearly seen that Xbox have taken, we've talked about this on the show before, but Xbox have taken the, we're going to give you information early and more often, right? but our information that we give is going to be less popular than PlayStation giving something as simple as a logo that we all knew it was going to look like that. Which was so stupid. But for some reason, the average consumers, and it's fine, I get it, the average consumer gets hyped by this little bit of information, but this air of mystery well, that continues to follow. Now, you play a, you play a dangerous game here that, because you get to a point where you start to wither people's ability to care away. Patience down. And then it becomes a thing where it's now it's just like you've been teasing us too much. We want to hear more. Yeah, and that's Sony have done a pretty good job of riding the line, but, they've, but they're, they are riding the line. That's the thing. I don't know. I was pretty damn frustrated like that. The past month of sure. all this was going on, but it was um, interesting because as soon as you would say something, as soon as you were reaching the point where you're actually annoyed, they show something else. I, I, listen, that's my superpower. <laughs> you know what's messed up? The fact that I brought up Burger King in that episode and then, as an example, and then then what do we get from Burger King? We get like a, a I don't know what that was. It was the startup sound, but we've heard the startup sound before. So what was the point of that video? I don't think we had heard the boot up sound. We, we did. It was in the original um, video, like it was the intro sound. I just think I don't think people realize what it was at the time. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody even put, maybe it was. I don't know. But, I mean, regardless, it was clearly just to indicate that the blue light in that sound but why was Burger PlayStation. King? Why Burger King? Huh? That is interesting. Why Burger King? Why was it when I was done with Sony and called? Why them KFC out? for Microsoft? All right, listen, Sony. Listen here. <laughs> Wasn't it, isn't it KFC for the Xbox Series X? Was it? I, think I don't so. know. That's so unusual. Fast food companies getting in on. It's so weird because Taco Bell for so long was the thing, you know. Uh, anyways, though, Sony, stop being cowards. Why don't you make more pre-orders then, huh? Because you can't. See, now maybe if I call out for pre-orders, I'll get a, a pre-order. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Good luck, man. But what is the Ta- cre- it's Taco Bell, but there's also apparently something going on with a controller that you can get that's KFC'd up. I don't know if you saw it. It's hideous looking. Is it, is it the one? Oh, yeah, I know what it is. It's the red and the white one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like it says finger cucking good. <laughs> no, it doesn't. What's yeah. our community's take for this episode? Why does it say that? It says finger licking good, but it looks exactly like finger cucking good because of the way they, they push the letters together. That's intentional. <laughs> there's no way a design, like, there's, there's no absolute way a digital design artist looked at that and said, yeah, that's good. <laughs> there's no way. Oh, it's finger clicking good is what it's supposed to be. But the L, the O comes up even into then, the L, and it makes it look like a U. Even then, that you give me an MO of of a, of a phrase that doesn't look like that because that's not what it looks like. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, community's take. Community's what take. What do you think about the KFC Xbox controller? <laughs> do you think it's finger cucking good? Um, let's see. Chicken fangies. Um, Some chicken fangies sound good. You, you want to do one that's just completely separate from anything we've talked about today? Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Or we did it like two weeks ago. Yeah, but... we, we do them every now and then. They're fun to just do. Um, we've been doing so many. Like, you know, and I, I understand if you're somebody who's a little tired of the next gen thing, it's interesting. Naturally, by being a partially news based show, is that we're going to end up talking about next gen a lot. So if you're a little exhausted of that, I'm sorry, but it's. Uh, we try to balance it. So, you know, I mean, it, what is it your is favorite what it rhythm is. game of all time? You brought up. Um, hey. I don't know what I brought up, but there's well, you, a, you brought up um, I can't think of what it's called now. Brutal Legends. Oh, Brutal Legend, which interestingly does have like little rhythm sections in it, like little Guitar Hero on the controller. And for those sections. that don't know, Brutal Legend is voiced by Jack Black, who did I Tenacious mean, D. Yeah. Okay, I mean, and, yeah, and, and a bunch uh, of other stuff. <laughs> uh, 
Hold on, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he have anything to do with Overlord? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe it's just Overlord, the original Overlord, and Untold Led or Brutal Untold, Legend. Brutal Legend. Have a very similar graphic style. No, I think like they that. came out at the same time. They did. 2008 for one, 2009 for the other. Yeah, so that maybe I'm just getting those mixed up. But yeah, what's your favorite rhythm game of all time? That's actually a good one, because I'm not going to lie to you. When we were in the arcade the other day, by the way, Kyrie walked in yesterday. We went to the arcade in the morning. What arcade? Uh, the one in the mall. Oh, okay. Um, so that is a new arcade or something? First, she, she put one coin into the little thing where there's like a train going around. You have to try and land the coin in it. Yeah. But she didn't even know what she was doing. She just put it in. And I said, oh, I had to explain it to her. I said, you're supposed to wait and try and get it to land in the cart. If you land in the cart... Based off of which one it is, you get so many tickets. If you get it to land, every cart has got a very slim thing where the coin can just literally kick into, yeah. and then it'll dump how many coins are in there, and based off of the number of coins, you get a jackpot. Huh. So Kyrie got 300 tickets. Oh, my God. Well. Her first coin that she actually tried on. This is Silver Ball? Silver uh, Ball? Yeah. Okay. So, tickets ain't nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was enough for her to get like a stuffed animal and some stuff. Oh, they've, they've changed the prices around? I guess, yeah. So 300 tickets back, like, back when I went to Silver Ball as a kid was like a finger puppet. No, she got a full-on stuffed animal, and that was and that wasn't even all. She got like a, a couple of tops, uh, some candy sticks. Okay, yeah, they definitely changed yeah. up the thing there. But uh, they had when, we were, there. when we were there, they had Guitar Hero, and hey, I was did looking you play at it? it. No, but I was yeah, listening to don't, it. Don't play it. Oh, is it bad? Oh, dude, latency. Latency is a bad problem on that game. Oh man, I didn't think about that. That's the problem. I, I you know it. what? The kill. The, the the problem with Guitar Hero is that the death of it was HD TVs. <laughs> It's like they yeah. never quite got to a point where they felt right. And even though they did like Guitar Hero, the new one, which I didn't play, but like Rock Band 4, and I do enjoy it, you have to do so much uh, calibration, and it feels like it loses it sometimes. Yeah. So it's one of those things where even though it's fun, it's way more work than it used to be when it was just plug in your CRTV, which has zero latency. You know what's crazy, though? CRT How well TV. Clone Hero works. On computer? Yeah. No, nothing. I never. But TVs typically have a longer latency themselves right. than monitors do. So that's right. probably what it is. Because you're so, right, Clone Hero doesn't have any problems. Dude, I, I love Clone Hero, but I hate it at the same time because Clone Hero made the wired Xbox 360 Guitar Hero 3 Explorer controllers. So the two, Guitar Hero 2, but yes. $200. That was Guitar Hero 3. It's Guitar Hero 2. It was when Guitar Hero it's, 2 first came to Xbox, yes. I, I the white Explorer. Yeah, 360. That was that's what I mean. It was Guitar Hero 3 controller. No, Google it. Guitar Hero 3 was a Les Paul. Google it. I will tell you right now. Guitar, Guitar Hero 2 was a Les Paul. Nope. Guitar Hero 3 was a Les Paul. Guitar Hero 2 Xbox 360 Edition. What is the guitar? There's no way I mixed those up. But yeah, look, it's $120. You definitely are because that was still wired, but Guitar Hero 3 was a was wireless it Les Paul. Was it a Les Paul? No, it was a S. It was a Gibson SG. SG. You're yeah. right. I'm mixing them all up. Yep. Anyways, y'all let us know what our rhythm, what your favorite rhythm game is, as the community <laughs> say. If you and, have one. And uh, if you didn't go through the rock band phase, who even are you? It's um, interesting. I, I I think of a time where like I think the one thing that makes all people like the great equalizer for our generation was rock band and Guitar Hero. Everyone played it. People not, who didn't even like rock music that I knew played. Notice it. how you didn't say band hero. DJ Hero. <laughs> DJ Hero is good. I'll die in that grave. DJ um, Hero was good. But do you want to know where you can participate in this community's take? Well, you could always follow us on our Facebook group, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Also, you can follow us on our Discord, which we have linked below, on our Twitter at Triangle SQRD, and of course, our YouTube channel. And let me tell you something secret. Come on in real quick, folks. 
You can find us in video form every Monday at 12 noon Central Time or 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And, of course, you can find us across all po- all podcast services across the land. If you if you find one that we're not on, let us know. We'll try to get on it. Also, if you feel inclined to, give us a rating on whatever platform you watch us on because that really helps us out. And uh, written reviews we also love because uh, all criticism is good criticism. And most importantly, if you really want to support your boys, become a Patreon over at patreon.com slash nartech, where at the $5 mark for three months, just $15, at the end of our quarters, you get a custom case that you could pick. And we have some pretty nifty ones over there. I'm quite fond of the Final Fantasy VII one myself. It's one of my favorites that Brett's made. And of course, the Hyper Light Drifter one, which is the one I made. Um, <laughs> Someone got it. So, it's so, Jason Clendenning, yes, I thank think. thank you, Jason. <laughs> he, he, he likes my art design. But anyways, I'd like to appreciate all you guys who follow us and listen to us, uh, regardless of if you're subscribed to us or anything like that, even though that stuff makes it so much sweeter. And of course, if you are subscribed to Patreon, you do get another hidden fee where Brett, every episode, will read your voice out live on air i do and it's always just fun so thank you all and we'll see you all for episode 186 yeah thank you guys thanks to our patrons kyle Grimm, josh jarrell matthew green my name is dan luke bartolomeo sean santarude funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson blake popes kevin bacon bits joshua lago eric McAllister, shadowist Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Stefan Swanlin. This is his last episode, but thank you, Stefan. Uh, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B., and Richard Schaefer. Again, if you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. You ever just uh, shove a hot pocket up your butt? All the time. <laughs>